This episode of the Fresh Start Family Show is brought to you by our Quick Start Learning Bundle, how to build a compassionate, firm, and kind discipline toolkit that works with kids of all ages. Head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your Quick Start Bundle so you can get going today on building up a strong, compassionate, discipline toolkit in your home. Well, hey there, listeners. I'm excited you're here for a new episode. Before we get going, I wanted to let you know that if you want to learn more about the program that you're going to hear me speak a lot about today, which is our newest offering here at Fresh Start Family, it's called the Freedom to Be Personal Development Course. We have a wait list going for families who are interested in joining us for one of our next sessions. And you can head on over to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash freedom course to learn more, put your name on the waitlist, even if you're interested in slightly and even slightly in learning more about what this program offers, what the costs associated, um, when the dates are going to be that we offer it next, go ahead and just drop your name into the waitlist and I'll be in touch to make sure I give you all of that information. And then most importantly, let you know as soon as doors open for the next session. So just wanted to make sure you have that information. And without further ado, enjoy this episode. Well, hey there, I'm Stella. Welcome to my mom and dad's podcast, The Fresh Start Family Show. We're so happy you're here. We're inspired by the ocean, Jesus, and rock and roll, and believe deeply in the true power of loving kindness. Together, we hope to inspire you to expand your heart, learn new tools, and strengthen your family. Enjoy the show. Well, hello there, listeners. Welcome to a new episode of the Fresh Start Family Show. I am your host, Wendy Snyder, positive parenting educator and family life coach, and I am so happy that you are here. I do have a little cold today, so you can probably hear it in my voice. I've got cool, like scratchy voice, which is different for me, but I've got my hot tea and I'm excited to hang out with you guys for the next half hour or so, because today I want to talk to you about the power of courage in all of life, really, but especially in positive parenting. And the reason why I wanted to hop on and record this today is because I'm just coming off teaching 19 students over the last two weekends. Um, I took these students through a personal development program that we've just launched here at Fresh Start Family called the Freedom to Be course. And let me tell you guys, I was nervous about this one. I've been preparing to teach this as a life coach. I've been training and building this program and um, just envisioning what this would look like for my students uh, for almost four years now. This was a really big training program to become a life coach of this capacity and to be able to walk families and parents through this type of deep personal development. Um, And to be able to do it online also was just like an extra added degree of difficulty. And long story short, not only was it an, you know, a good course, we got through it. Um, We walked 19 students from all over the world through this program, but it was absolutely fantastic. Um, And so I'm, I'm just kind of ending the last two Saturdays heading into this week, just feeling so inspired by myself and realizing just how much courage plays into um, feeling confident and successful in our lives because 
Courage is what happens on the other side of feeling scared. So I want to talk to you today about that feeling of of feeling scared and how a lot of times in life, we will do anything to avoid it, which causes us to not go for what we want sometimes. And I think this shows up so much in parenting, especially because if you start learning and really diving into positive parenting and learning the strategies and applying them and using them in your home, especially when it comes to compassionate discipline, you are going to probably be very different than a lot of your friends and neighbors and, um, you know, people at church or whatever it may be, your colleagues, uh, all those things. And it takes courage and bravery to kind of step into that and keep learning and keep applying and keep living this life of positive parenting. So what do we do with that that feeling of being scared? And, um, and how do we get to that other side of feeling courageous and brave? Because let me tell you, it feels like a million bucks when you're on the other side of that. So um, we're going to talk about the five emotions here in a second, the five basic emotions I like to teach here at Fresh Start Family. But again, let me just tell you, like, as we were preparing for this for this uh, personal development course that I taught, it I was terrified, The especially the three days leading up to our first day. We started on October 9th. It was a two-day course, October 9th and October 16th. And even though I had prepared hours upon hours. I mean, I've been in the course room preparing for this hundreds of hours and I still felt scared. Like, what if I mess this up? What if I say the wrong thing? What if technology doesn't go our way? What if this doesn't work out like I had hoped it was and somebody doesn't have a great experience? Like there was just all of these emotions spinning through me. And um, it definitely kind of, you know, got to a heightened heightened place the the last three days, especially before the the first quarter course, um, the first weekend that that I taught. And then the second weekend, it kind of flared up a little bit on Friday. And then by the time I was finished, I just felt like I had climbed a mountain and I was sitting at the top looking at this beautiful ocean view or, you know, was able to see across the horizon, like millions of miles away. I just felt like a million bucks. And I want you to be able to lean into and get to that point too in in many points of your life, but especially your parenting. But let's start off by talking about the emotions and how feeling scared is a God-given healthy emotion that I want you to remember is just part of life. So let's talk about all the emotions. So I know many of us were raised, um, you know, with joy or happiness being the only okay emotion. And it's actually just not the way life is. We here at Fresh Start Family teach that happiness is one of the emotions, but sadness and anger and hurt and scared are equally just part of the wholeness of life. So if you are a human being, you are going to have just as many or probably more times in your life when you're going to feel scared, hurt, angry, or sad as you are when you're going to be happy. So happy is really not the goal. The goal, I believe, in my opinion, is to be able to experience those other emotions without it taking you down or or destroying your day or making you feel like something's wrong with you or your family when you have those emotions or something's wrong with your marriage or something's wrong with um, yourself. Like It's just part of life. And when you learn how to have emotional literacy, when you learn what to do with those emotions and why every single one of them is good, 
life just becomes a whole lot easier, especially as a parent. So for example, when it comes to sadness, sadness is an emotion that shows how much you care. So I recently felt um, this emotion when my son broke his wrist skateboarding, probably about a week and a half ago. And um, it was sad for sure that he broke his wrist, but it was especially sad because we are just about to go to Hawaii for a Fresh Start family planning retreat. And while we're there, we're also going to be renewing our 20th wedding anniversary vows. Can you believe that, guys? I've been married to the love of my life, Terry Snyder. You guys have heard him on plenty of our episodes here at Fresh Start Family. He is my treasured co-host um, on the show, and he's just my, my best friend and my, my partner in crime in life. But yeah, we've been married 20 years, so we are going to be renewing our vows um, on the beaches of Hanalei, Kauai, and we leave in just a few days. So once we got him to the doctors and we realized not only was it broken, um, but fractured, but he was going to have to have a cast, he had been so strong about it, but then he just kind of broke down and was so sad that he was not going to be able to surf because he had been dreaming of surfing for the last like six months in Hawaii. Ever since we had said we were going, he had watched the Olympics. He had been watching surf shows and competitions lately and just was so excited in his words to really like conquer his shortboarding skills and when he found out he couldn't surf there it just crushed him so that watching your kid be sad is heartbreaking right but the reason why we get sad is because we care so much about these little turkeys like we just love them so much so watching them be sad or watching them be disappointed or whatever it is, is just a sadness that kind of hurts your heart, right? But again, it's such a good emotion because it helps you remember how much you care. Anger is an awesome emotion because it shines a spotlight on what needs to change and it often will engage our inner strength if you are mature in knowing what to do with that emotion. Now, a lot of people aren't because we were never taught what to do with the emotion of anger. So, you know, again, that's one of the biggest things I teach here. Of course, we teach tons of parenting, but we also teach tons of life coaching, which is what do you do when you feel so angry at your kids that you feel like fire is coming out of your head? So the good news about anger is that th when you handle it in a healthy, mature way, when you feel it, when you process it, and when you express it when, when appropriate, it's not always appropriate or necessary to express anger, but this is often where strong boundaries are set, where firm, kind, strong boundaries are set. So anger is a good, healthy emotion. Hurt is another one. It's another one that like we just want to avoid because as we were growing up, a lot of us heard the messages of like, get up, you're fine. You know, you're fine. You're not even bleeding. Get up. <laughs> so it's like, we don't want to be hurt. We're taught that it's like, it's almost weak to feel hurt, right? But honestly, going through life, like not only are you going to be hurt physically a lot in life, you're also going to be hurt emotionally if you are putting yourself out there right? So the thing about hurt is that it shows the tenderness of an open heart. And if you are living life with an open heart, there are just going to be situations where you are hurt. And again, it's just one of those things that shows how much you care. So if you put yourself out there in a love relationship and you fall in love, there's a chance that person may not love you back or break your heart one day. There's a chance that if you put yourself out there in love on your kids, 
There is going to be a day where they might say something that is totally hurtful. It's just part of being a human being. So hurt is another healthy human emotion. And then scared is the last one that, again, I'm going to talk to you a lot about today, is always the prerequisite of bravery. So in order to feel brave, in order to, to be courageous, you have to feel scared first. There just is no bravery and courage without feeling afraid first. So what I teach my children is how to recognize and feel scared, feel afraid, and then do it anyways. <laughs> that's the ticket to getting to the bravery and the courage. And that's why I'm celebrating so much today is because I was terrified. As Even over the last four years, as I was training to teach this type of deep personal development coursework, um, I was scared many, many, many of the steps that it took to get there. Um, you know, positive parenting was the same. I remember, you know, se- I think it was seven years ago now that I became an educator of positive parenting. And for years, I was like, who am I? Who am, am I to teach positive parenting? I'm a mess. I'm like the most imperfect mother on the planet. <laughs> um, I talk so freely and openly with you guys about the mistakes that I've made and the times when I do things that are not integrity in integrity with my values and the way um, I want to act. But I always um, remember that that's what makes me actually a great educator. But it took years to understand that and believe in myself. And I was terrified for years. And, and instead of giving up or instead of not doing it, I courageously went forward and did it scared. And that's how I built this company. That's how we are where we are today, where we've helped thousands and thousands and thousands of parents end painful generational cycles, learn a new way, be able to teach their their kids important life lessons with connection and firm kindness, and it just feels really, really good. So scared is an awesome emotion, you guys. Um, I also, during this weekend, um, I call it a weekend course because usually we do it on a Saturday and Sunday, but because I did it in an online format and we were able to help families all over the world, we decided to do it in two Saturdays. But all these 19 students that went through this program with me, many of them definitely came in feeling scared. If you've never done a personal development course like this, of course you're going to be scared coming in. Like, what's going to be asked of you? Are you going to have to share something that you don't want to share? Are you going to have feelings that come up or whatever? Are you going to be look, you know, asked to look at past traumas, whatever it may be? Like, everyone is scared before they come in. It's kind of the fear of the unknown, right? And these 19 students said yes, signed up, and showed up, and just killed it. <laughs> they like, they not only showed up and did the course, but they did it with this, oh, these open hearts and just such massive amounts of bravery and vulnerability and tenderness and just courage. And it just was so awesome. But I thought I would read you one success story um, that really moved me because it mimicked the experience I had a decade ago when I went through this program myself. So when I went through Freedom to Be for the first time, I had um, a three-year-old little girl. Stella was three at the time. She's almost 14 now. And I had this experience that positive parenting, I had learned a lot, but I wasn't able to like actually effortlessly change some habitual things I was doing as a parent until I went through this course. Um, But after the course, I had this experience. I tell the story a lot. Um, If you've never heard it, it's basically, you know, Stella was throwing a fit one day as I was nursing the babies, right? About a one, uh, Taryn was one and Stella was three at the time. And I was... um, 
nursing nursing the baby and Stella came over and she wanted like this this uh, nursing stool that I had and I was like no you can't have the nursing stool like I need to have my feet up and be properly ergonomic to like in order to feel comfortable nursing Taryn and she just started throwing a fit and I had struggled so much with reactivity in the past um, and I wanted to stay calm I wanted to be able to um, have empathy for her and like stay like keep a firm limit but not do it with like intense fear or force or intimidation or like snapping to threats like I was trying really hard but I kept going back to my teacher and saying like I can't I can't do this or my child's too crazy or whatever and she just would always look at me and say Wendy you gotta get to freedom to be and I was scared but I said yes, and I went. So this one day, Stella starts throwing a fit over the nursing stool. And um, instead of freaking out, like I normally would have in the past, like, and like, just, I usually, this is what would happen. I would usually keep my cool for a while, and then it wouldn't work. Um, and then it came to the point where I would just blow up and either like, threaten her or lock her in her room or force her into timeout or like threaten to spank her or whatever it was. And it just always felt like crap. So, but on this day, um, I stood up and I was like, hey, it looks like you're having a really hard time right now. So I'm going to go into the bedroom with the baby and take a calming break and I'll see you in a minute. And she just flipped out and she was like, pounding on the door and freaking out. And it was the first time I had ever really been able to like actually organically stay calm without feeling like I was like white knuckling the experience. Does that make sense? So it's like in the past, I was like, Wendy, stay calm. You can do this. You have to do this. You have to stop reacting if you ever want her to learn. Like all these, it was just intense. And on this day, I was like, oh my gosh, I am just naturally going to walk into the bedroom, close the door, let her calm down. I'm going to finish nursing the baby. And then well, I'll handle it. And it, I was just so confident and calm. And finally, it felt like forever, but probably 10 minutes later, um, she stopped freaking out and she sat down and I could just hear her kind of sniffling and crying. And and I was to the point where I was like, okay, I feel like I'm, I've calmed down too. And I'm able to, to, to talk to her. And I came out and I was like, Steli, what's going on, baby? And she was just like, I'm so mad. And I was like, I know. I'm like, um, I know you're mad, but but why are you so mad? Thinking to myself, like, it was, it's just a nursing stool. Like, why are you flipping out? And, uh, and she, but again, I was very calm and like feeling connected with her. And she was like, because I'm so mad. And finally, like, finally, I was able to actually hear my child that day because what I finally freaking heard her saying to me, which it like for eight months before that, I had never ever seen this in my child. But for the first time, I finally heard her say that day, mama, I am so mad that I get so mad. And I don't know what to do about this. Like I, I can't stop. Like all I, I freak out and I don't want to freak out. And of course, she didn't say all these words, you guys, but I finally was able to to look at my three-year-old and see, she's not trying to just be a pain in the ass. She's hurting. She does not know why she can't have this self-control and she wants it so bad. She doesn't wanna freak out over a nursing stool and not getting her way, but she's stuck and she feels alone and she feels like she can't do it and she feels angry about that. And in that moment, it was finally like, oh my gosh, I am the, the exact same position, honey. Like we are in the exact same 
place right now. And I get you because I get so angry too and I don't know why. But I do know that what I learned this weekend helped me big time and that you're not alone and that we are gonna figure this out and that I am here for you no matter what. And I swear to you guys, it was from that moment on that everything changed in our parent, like in our relationship. And finally, I was able to like do some of the strategies that I had learned when it comes to compassionate discipline or responsive versus reactive parenting or all the things that just finally naturally started to come to me. And, um, and it was just a pivotal moment where I hugged her so tight and she was sobbing and I was sobbing and I was just like, we are going to be okay. <laughs> We're going to be okay. Let's chat for a hot sec, openly and honestly, about what your discipline toolkit looks like in your home right now. If you're anything like most parents, you're relying on the hand-me-down set you inherited. Timeouts, spankings, threatening of spankings, taking iPads away, three, two, one countdowns, groundings, taking away toys, e-bikes, iPhones, any or all of those kind of tactics that create a total relationship strain and don't even work long-term to end your child's misbehavior for good. Meaning, you might spank your child or send them to timeout today for being, air quotes, mean to their sister or disrespecting you, but then three days from now, they're repeating the same misbehavior, which causes you to flip your lid because you know they know better. I want to help you learn a new way so you can end the vicious cycle that's keeping you stuck as a parent and causing you to feel super frustrated that nothing is working to get your strong-willed, stubborn child to behave better. My team and I have recently completely refreshed our Compassionate Discipline Quick Start Learning Bundle to help you learn a new way to teach your kids important life lessons, a new way to help your children learn from their mistakes and take responsibility for their actions. You can just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, and I'll personally send you a message with a link to download this free bundle. I'm going to help you shift out of a punishment mindset and into a compassionate discipline one where you fully trust that connection-based, firm and kind discipline tools are all you need to be a strong leader in your home who holds your kids responsible when they misbehave, but does it in a way where they are learning the vital life skills they are missing when they mess up. So again, just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free bundle now. I am so excited for you to shift out of feeling guilty and shameful when you lay your head on your pillow at night and shift into feeling confident and proud of the way you handled yourself as a parent, even when you were wildly triggered and upset about the mistake your child made. Okay, I'm excited for you to dive into this free resource. I'll see you in my DMs and inside the free discipline bundle. So this student of mine that wrote in um, a success story on Sunday after our, our week our um, course had finished, um, she wrote in and said, this weekend, my son had an epic meltdown because I told him we had run out of time to listen to a short podcast before bed. And let me tell you that this student had, has been with me for a while in my support community, The Bonfire. She's a student of the Foundations course, a graduate, and she mimicked my story. She just still had been having trouble, like, actually responding versus reacting and found herself still just so reactive with her kids. And it got to the point where she was just like, Wendy, I am just struggling here. And I said, you just got to come to class. 
yes, come to Freedom to Be. And she did, thank goodness. But then she went on to say, just before that, I started to get in a conflict with him over having too many stuffies on his bed. He sleeps pretty terrible, wakes up in the night, and wakes early. He's eight. So I was digging my heels in on how they would affect his sleep more. But I decided to let it go because it was late. But then that got him frustrated with me. So the success is that I stayed calm when he lost it over the podcast disappointment. I knew he was exhausted, but, sorry, I knew he was exhausted. He hit me with a stuffy and I wanted to yell. I wanted to force him back to bed, but I didn't. I walked away in the room and then I came back. I give him empathy saying, I know he was disappointed. I asked if he wanted a hug and then I laid by him and rubbed his back. I whispered to him how there was nothing he could do that would change my love for him. I told him he was safe with me. I said I would always be there and how he was such a good son. <laughs> and she said, I haven't, I didn't do this all weekend, but I am trying and I am learning. And this was her first success post in eight months. So this was just an example to show you that this bravery and courage this mom had to show up to learning from every step of her journey, from joining the foundations course to joining the, the bonfire support program, to saying yes to the freedom to be personal development weekend, to then having the courage to actually go through the program and on the other side, have this newfound calm that she had never been able to access before, uh, just lit me up and I thought it would be awesome to share with you guys. So congratulations to that amazing mama who um, just got to experience what it feels like to be able to stay deeply connected to your kid, but also set a very firm boundary of like, no, we're not going to, we're not going to do this. It's time for bed and be able to, to, to endure a child freaking out or having a meltdown or making a mistake or being imperfect or being a total mess and returning unconditional love and, com and compassion and empathy, it just feels like a million bucks. And for some people, it takes a little bit longer to get there. Again, it took, it's funny because I think it took me about eight months and it, and it's similar. I think this, this sweet mama of mine has been in my program for about eight months. So anyways, um, let's get back to talking about courage and how in positive parenting, this really will be something that you want to lean into a lot. And remember, on the first side of that is the feeling of being scared. So I'm going to tell you a few stories here that'll just kind of give you an example of how in my own parenting walk, there have been many situations where I was afraid, I'm, I, Terry and I both thinking, oh my gosh, are we doing the right thing? Like culture or the school system or um, my friends that I call or my, even at times, a pastor or a trusted mentor at church tell me to do the opposite, but my heart and positive parenting um, and what I here when I pray is telling me to do something else. And that can feel so scary at times because you can feel like you're an outcast. You can feel like no one gets you and you can just be really scared that it's not going to work. Right. Um, and so here's some stories to give you an example of how good it feels to do it anyways, to do it scared. And on the other side is such a feeling of bravery and courage. So um, the first example that I'm going to give you is really the way that we've done a lot with Stella over the years to teach her intrinsic self-control versus control her. Now, 
you've heard me talk about Stella a lot. Stella is my power kiddo. Um, she's very strong-willed, has been since birth, and there's just been a lot we've had to adapt over the years to pull back on any type of uh, pressure control-based strategies because she just does not respond to them. She digs in her heels, she pushes back even harder, and she resists whatever you're trying to get her to do. And this was really, really intense when she was a toddler. So from the ages of like three to seven, holy smokes, Woo! it was just a wild ride. But thank God we had good mentors and we learned how to embrace empowerment and teaching um, methods that were based on again, teaching her self-control versus trying to control her. Because we always ask parents, uh, do you want to, to control your child or teach them to control themselves? And with, with strong-willed kids especially, it's even more important because, like I said, they will resist if you try to control them. So the first example I can give you is when she was in kindergarten, we started getting messages that um, she needed, she was falling behind in reading and she needed to do more homework at night and she needed to do more flashcards. Um, but since she was in preschool through kindergarten, homework was just a nightmare with her. It was like, you know, she'd come home from school and she was already pretty grouchy after school anyways. I mean, raise your hand if you have a kindergartner or first grader like this, where I think they're just so exhausted um, that they're just grouchy. They need, in, <laughs> in my opinion, what I learned is that they need to be in trees. They need to have healthy meals. They need to have early bedtimes. They need to be connecting with you is the most important thing. They do not need more homework. Now, thank God we watched um, the documentary Race to Nowhere. It is one that I recommend for every single family across the planet. You should be able to find it really easily on Prime or Netflix, um, but it's called Race to Nowhere, and it just fills you with confidence about how to not buy into kind of the classic school system of standardized testing and um, homework, like especially homework for young kids, because studies have shown that it is absolutely not beneficial till they get to like, I forget if it's fifth or sixth grade, but homework for kindergartners and first graders and second graders is often just something that adds stress and disconnection to family lives. So we watched this documentary and we were like, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. We are absolutely going to take that angle and not force this kid to do homework. But you could tell her teacher at the time was very uncomfortable with that. So we had told her, hey, we're going to support, um, you know, Stella through reading every night. And when she brings home a homework pack, we're going to try our best to do it. And if it turns into a nightmare in tears, we're like, we're not going to finish the packet. But we promise you, we will always try our best. We'll try to get started. And just know that sometimes we may turn in a like an unfinished packet. Um, and we took the same same thing with like the flashcards. I forget what sight words. Um, we were like, okay, cool, we'll try it. And if it turns into a nightmare, then we are just confident in, in reading and what she's learning with you in class. And you could tell her teacher was uncomfortable with that. Um, at one point, they called us into the classroom and they were like, okay, Stella, um, you know, you we need to have a meeting because Stella is in the 67th percentile of reading and this is a problem. If she falls behind even more, then this is like, this is a big deal. So I'll never forget, we, we showed up to this meeting and the teacher had brought the principal in too. And we were like, wow, they're like really stressed out about this. And because we had watched the documentary, we we're like, 
we're not stressed out about it. We're, we're okay. And, but you could tell it was like, it was very countercultural for us to be brave, even though we were scared. Because I remember telling Terry, oh my gosh, I hope this works out. Because if this doesn't work out, um, the idea of not forcing homework and not forcing that type of stuff, like if it doesn't work out, this is gonna be bad. And, um, but we just went for it. And over the years, we kept that same that same approach. Um, and really, honestly, now she's in eighth grade. And the only thing we are very, very firm about when it comes to homework is that we limit it. We will not let her do homework, usually past 8 p.m. We won't, for sure, won't let her to be on a device past 8 p.m. But we are like, that's the only firm limit we have is like that we, we limit it. So does that make sense? Like we have not ever forced this child to do her homework. And if she doesn't get it done, then she experiences a natural consequence in the classroom with the teacher and she hates it. Like she is so competitive um, and she's such like, she's been mentored on how to have intrinsic self-control. So she just, she knocks it out of the park on her own. She doesn't need us to do anything. So I believe it was because of those early years that we didn't make it an argument that she developed the the love of school and reading and math and all these things because she was able to actually enjoy being a kid in the evening. But that was just one of the things. Um, but long story short is she ended up, um, by the time first grade came, she ended up excelling in reading. And now, you know, first grade on, she became one of the top uh, readers and was like two grade levels above her her normal reading, so it just goes to show you. Um, but that was that was a situation where it took bravery and courage for us to be countercultural, because the teacher and the principal and you know they really wanted us to make sure she did. 30 minutes of flashcards at night. They wanted us to make sure that she did 100% of her packet or she was going to fall behind. They wanted us to make sure we got extra tutoring um, after school instead of putting her in trees and on playgrounds and getting her healthy meals and putting her to bed early. They wanted us to invest in a tutor to make her do more reading and we just did not take the approach. So but then on the other side of that now is, again, seeing Stella be able to be the student that is just absolutely awe-inspiring. I mean, the amount of self-control and self-motivation that this child has. I mean, she is a straight-A student, and she like will tell us on the weekend, Mom and Dad, no, we can't go to the beach today because I have a test on Monday and I need to study. And we're just like, who are you? <laughs> like, okay. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll come home from the beach earlier. Or we'll skip going out to dinner or whatever. Um, and it's just really, really cool to see. So that's one example. Um, another one is um, how we've been uh, really countercultural with phones. So from the age probably of nine, Stella's friends here in Southern California, San Diego, California, they all started to get iPhones handed to them. And they had service, they had untethered access to apps like Instagram and, and Snapchat and all the things, uh, TikTok. And we were just like, no, we're not going to do that. We um, got into, thank God, every single mentor that I've ever had in life, whether it just be someone on Instagram that I've never met before, like the person I'm going to tell you next, or a documentary that I wrote, or that I watched, or a personal mentor that I actually attended classes with. Like, I am so grateful for every single person that's taught me something or exposed me to something because 
all of it has changed our lives, and this is no different. But um, we were exposed to the work of Colin Karchner, uh, thank God, early on. He was um, he had a giant Instagram following, and he just did amazing work in the world to educate parents and children on the dangers of smartphones and social media and all the things. He unfortunately passed away uh, last year. Um, which is just heartbreaking because his work was, again, so monumental for me and Terry um, and I know my whole community because it it gave me the confidence to be so firm and different around phones and technology with my kids. Um, and we were, you know, we were in talks to have him come speak in San Diego and it was just really sad. But, um, but he gave me the confidence and the education to be very different and to set a firm rule and say, no, Stella, you're, you're not going to have an iPhone until you graduate from eighth grade. Um, so there's a pledge I always recommend everybody uh, joins. It's called Wait Till Eighth Pledge. And um, it's, it's awesome. But, and it is very, like, there are so many moments where it was, has been so tough to be the outcast. So literally, so out of, I'd say out of 10 friends, Stella has two, let's, let's just say a group of 10 last year, two of them didn't have smartphones. Everybody else had untethered access to the smartphones. Um, so there were so many conversations over the years, like so many tearful conversations where Stella would just beg me, mommy, please, mommy, please. Like, you don't understand. Um, every single one of my kid, any, every single one of my friends has it. I promise you I'll do this and that. And I promise you I won't have apps. And I promise you all these things that she, I'll, I'll work for it. I'll get a job. Like she just, for years, she was just so sad about it. And during those conversations of me being firm and talking to Terry, there were so many moments where I was terrified. I was like, what am I doing to my kid? Am I causing her to be like, oh my gosh, my mom's the worst. And is she going to be scarred by this of like being the only child who isn't allowed to have this smartphone and she's going to be the outcast. And I remember we would send her to volleyball tournaments in like group vans um, and I just would hug her goodbye and be like, oh God, please give her the strength um, just to be confident being the different one. Because she would tell me, mom, we have a two hour drive and the kid, uh, the girls are just going to be on their phone nonstop. Like no one's going to talk to me. And so anyways, the point of me telling you this story is I was scared and it took bravery and courage to stay the course. And here we are years later um, Stella's now halfway through eighth grade, and it flipped this last year where all of a sudden she became the confident, like, anti-phone leader almost. Not anti-phone, I shouldn't say that. She became almost an advocate for this lifestyle, and it just all of a sudden clicked for her. And she And you could tell she moved more into the space of, like, not that she says this to me, but she, you could tell by the conversation shifted and she would, she almost has a perspective now of like, I'm so thankful that my mom had these firm rules with me and has protected my mental health and has helped me develop the social skills and has helped me avoid the addiction of technology and smartphones and social media. Like you can tell she gets it now because she sees how 90% of her friends are addicted to the devices. It's their entire identity. And I even had a conversation with her her, fre her good friend's mom a few weeks ago, and she said to me, Wendy, you can use me as an example, because I asked her mom about four years ago, hey, do you want to join this pledge with me? Do you want to do this no iPhone thing? Um, and her mom was like, 
uh, no, I don't think we can. And she said, I, you know, they, she took the angle of um, my, we need to be able to get a hold of our child, which I get it, you guys. Remember, um, gab phones are the way to do that if you want to do that. But at the time, like, she just made the choice to get her the iPhone. And she told me the other day when we were on the phone, she said, Wendy, you can use me as an example. It was one of the biggest, uh, biggest mistakes we've ever made in our parenting life was to give her that phone because she is fully addicted. It is her entire identity. And also she is now struggling with anxiety. So it's like, you know, it was, it was sad, but it was also, um, you know, I, I had a wonderful discussion with that mom and let her know what a wonderful mom she is and everybody makes mistakes and it's not too late to change uh, the strategy of the smartphone with her daughter. Um, but it just, it made me realize like, gosh, I'm so grateful that I was brave and courageous and I stayed the course and I was, I stepped into being the outcast because again, now I feel I'm like, I'm just so happy that we did that because I know when my daughter walks into high school, she's going to be so much more prepared from a social, emotional, um, angle to, to handle having the responsibility of this phone and the devices and the social and all the things. Okay. Um, all right. What other stories do I have for you? Just to give you an example of feeling scared and then doing it anyways and feeling the bravery and, and, um, courage on the other side. Um, well, let me tell you a few things about Taryn. I think that maybe might help you too. Um, so Taryn is my 10 year old and no, yeah, he's almost 11. Oh my gosh, he turns 11 very soon. But there have also been times where um, I decided to, to do something or implement positive parenting or compassionate discipline. And remember, compassionate discipline has been a huge part of this, you guys. So here at Fresh Start Family this month over on Instagram um, and here through the podcast, I'm really doing a lot of teaching on, on compassionate discipline. Um, I'm even teaching a free uh, workshop at the end of the month that I hope you guys will join me for. But compassionate discipline is, remember, very countercultural. And there will be so many times when you choose to implement um, compassionate discipline tools instead of traditional fear and force-based punishment tools you will feel like an outcast. You will feel scared that what you're doing is not going to work. You will feel scared that people are judging you. You will feel scared that what if this doesn't work and my child grows up to be a maniac? What if I'm being permissive? Like you will have, you will have fears. (laughs) It's just part of practicing positive parenting. However, when you persevere and when you do it anyways, you will get to the other side and experience the same type of bravery and courage that I now relish in. And I promise you, you will get there. You just have to have faith that if your heart is calling you to learn more and implement positive parenting, especially compassionate discipline in your home, Stay the course, get supported, join a support program, attend a free, attend my free compassion discipline workshop later this month. Do what you need to do, but just just know that you are incredible. I see you, you are brave, and um, it's gonna pay off, I promise you. So um, so yeah, so when it comes to Taryn and Stella, there's been a lot of compassionate discipline over the years. And I think I'm gonna tell you actually one more story before I move on to give you an example of Taryn. 
So one more example with Stella, where compassionate discipline came in that was very countercultural, was one night I dropped her off at band and I told her, hey, you can go have pizza with your friends beforehand. She was, I think, 11 at the time. Um, and it was like right across the street from pizza. So I was like, okay, this is Stella growing older. It's okay. She should be able to have a slice of pizza and a soda before band. She's a drummer. Um, but I told her, I am not okay with you crossing the road in that area. And I went to drive away and she didn't see me because I had kind of like driven to a spot where she couldn't see me. And I watched her as she and her friends crossed in exactly the spot I told her not to. Um, now I'm a bit of a safety Karen because there were, um, I've known, I've known, well, I should say this. I grew up on a street where a little buddy of mine got off the school bus when she was in kindergarten and got hit by a car, was um, mentally and physically disabled for the rest of her life, severely mentally and dis physically disabled the rest of her life. And then I also have a friend right here in Southern California who held her neighbor's um, son after he had gotten hit by a car on his bicycle and uh, a few hours later passed away in the hospital. So safety to me is a big freaking deal. And yes, I am the safety Karen. I always joke that I'm gonna like dress up as a Karen for Halloween because I'm always the one on the block that is telling my neighbors that I love so much. I love their children, I love them. Like you gotta be extra careful with safety. Cars are no joke. So I've taught my kids this over the years and that night Stella made a big mistake. And instead of, grounding her or taking away her devices or her iPads or not letting her go to playdates or whatever it may be, um, I chose to work with her in, with compassionate discipline. We had a long, long talk about why that we had such a firm rule about it. There were tears that turned into a, a beautiful conversation around, mama, it's just tough to be different, right? Like all my friends don't have parents who are aggro and won't let them cross the road there. Um, so it's hard to be different. It's hard to be the only kid that doesn't have the phone. It's hard. And it just was a very connecting conversation um, because we just kind of held space for each other. She held space to hear me out on why I'm so passionate about the roles that I have as a mother. And I held space for her to say how hard it was and how, what it was like to be a teenage, you know, a pre, a tween at that time. So long story short, we ended up implementing, um, uh, a redo, which is one of the logical consequences that I'm going to teach about later this month at the free compassionate discipline workshop. But I went and had her actually, I dropped her off to have pizza with the same group of friends. And then um, I let her know that I was going to be watching from a distance and that she had the opportunity to redo the situation. And even if her friend said, no, we're going to cross here, she got to practice what it looked like to be different and say, okay, well, I'm going to go to the crosswalk. I'll meet you guys at band. And she Sure enough, she did it and not and her friends didn't. They were like, okay, cool, we'll walk to the crosswalk with you. It just took her developing the life skill of how to stand up for herself and how to um, have the self-control without me forcing her to do it or making her do it or else she was gonna get punished or hurt or whatever it was. Okay, so that's a great example of um Families, I have a question for you. Would you love to be able to set really strong boundaries and rules with your children and then follow through with consistency and firm kindness? If yes, listen up. I have a program called the Firm and Kind Parenting Blueprint that I'd love for you to go check out. You can learn more over at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. Inside of this quick, easy to finish program, I'll teach you four steps to really setting those strong roles, but then following through in a way where you're using connection and firm kindness. 
And what I'll teach you will actually cause your children to want to cooperate with you because they truly respect you and value the rule and the boundary and understand how it serves them, not just something that they have to do or else. And it's just an incredible feeling when you go to bed at night knowing that you followed through on the rules and the strong boundaries in your home without relying on hand-me-down parenting tactics like fear, force, threats, yelling, harsh punishments that really create usually fear in your household, right? We want our children to listen to us because they respect us and because they understand why being part of the team, cooperating well, respecting rules, all those things, why that feels good as a human being. We want to do those things um, in ways that cause our children to want to respect us, not just because they're scared of us or a consequence. And that's exactly what I'm going to teach you inside this program. So again, head on over to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind to learn more. But in under an hour, this program will teach you some really effective strategies on how to create agreements with your kids instead of compliance statements, which is where a lot of parents go wrong and why their children don't end up respecting the rules or the agreements that they've made. And then I'm going to teach you how to use empathy. I'll teach you how to engage your kids' critical thinking skills when you tell them to do something and they say no. And then I'm also going to encourage you to understand how to empower your children. When children feel empowered, especially strong-willed kids, they will cooperate a whole heck of a lot easier, okay? So I want you to go learn about this program and let me know if you have any questions, freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. Feeling scared of doing it different because again, you know, I thought, you know, every single, not every single time, but a lot of times when I do compassion discipline with my kids, especially when they were younger, now that I've got this dialed, I'm like, oh, dang, this is awesome. We're going to do compassionate discipline. It's going to be awesome. But when they were younger, I was like, oh my gosh, am I being permissive? Am I being weak? Are they like not going to get this lesson if I do it in this like play-based manner? There was just a lot of fears and I did it anyways. And the freaking payoff is awesome because now this child of mine, <laughs> Guns and Roses, this sweet child of mine, um, she has the most intrinsic self-control I have ever seen in a teenager in my life. Again, she's almost 14. Just the other week, uh, Terry was coming home from dropping Taryn off at school and Stella was on her e-bike. And across the street was six kids who were, um, you know, both crossing the street at the same time. They got to the, the street. Um, Stella pushed the thing and she had just missed the walking guy. So the kids on the other side did the same thing. And again, Stella could not see Terry. So she did not know that daddy was watching her. But across the street, um, the six kids on their e-bikes, because e-bikes are crazy here in Southern California, they all just ran the red light. Uh, uh, like you're supposed to wait for the walking guy, right? Like that's when it's the safest place, safest time to cross because this is a six lane crossing. Like it is a, that if cars are going through on a green, they're doing 60, 60 miles per hour. And these kids just went for it. They saw that the walking guy wasn't there. They kind of laughed it off and they just went. Now I'm sure their parents have taught them not to do that, but they didn't teach them in the same way. Right? So then there's Stella on the other side and she, you could tell she kind of shrugged, but she was just like, oh, fine. And she just sat there and waited. 
She let the whole red green light happen. And then finally the walking guy came and she crossed. But Terry came home and he was just like, babe, oh my gosh, it's amazing. Like Stella has the best self-control. And he told me the story and we got to celebrate her that night. We took her to Boba and just said, dude, this is a big deal. Thank you for taking care of yourself. Thank you for being willing to be different. Um, and again, in that moment, she probably felt scared, like, oh, my friends are going to make fun of me. I don't think it was her friends that day. It was other kids. But, you know, she probably thought to herself, oh, great. Like, they're probably going to be like, oh, you're a safety Karen and make fun of her or whatever. And she was brave and did it anyway. She resisted the urge to run the red light and put herself in danger of getting hit. Okay, so those are some stories about Stella. And then um, with Taryn, I'd say being able to, to know how to use compassionate discipline with him over the years, um, especially when it came to like things like lying and stealing. Those were like little things, whether it was when he was four years old and he stole um, a little choo-choo train from the bookstore, like the train the train track that we used to go visit there. Or it was, you know, um, how to like handling when he would come home and he would get like a note sent home from his teacher that he was talking in class or something. Being able to use compassionate discipline with him over the years, um, no doubt has helped him form into the young man that he is now. He tells me everything. And even if he doesn't, if he holds something in and he, um, you know, like say let's holds a something that he didn't tell me the truth for a while, he knows how to listen to his body and and then he always comes clean. And he always tells me, and even if it's uncomfortable for him, he tells me everything. And then we talk about it. We we do some learning around it. It's not, not like in compassionate discipline. You're just like, cool, awesome, right on. Okay, don't do that again. It's like, no, there's going to be learning. There's going to be logical consequences. There's going to be an activity. There's going to be practice. Like there's going to be a life skill taught. Like kids who have parents who practice positive parenting and compassionate discipline know that. But they aren't scared for, um, they're not scared they're going to get in trouble. They're not scared that they're going to get humiliated. They're not scared they're going to get hit. Um, they just know they're going to be held responsible. So over the years, that's that's been really, I think, impactful. And at the same time, there's definitely moments where he's made mistakes where I felt scared. Like he actually made a really big mistake when he was um, three years old and hurt my, uh, pushed my friend's son off a play structure when they were excited. They were playing tag and Taryn got too excited and he pushed... Um, his little buddy off the play structure and his little buddy got hurt. He hurt his wrist pretty bad. And I remember at that moment feeling so scared that I was being permissive and weak for not like punishing him. And I even thought, I mean, this was very early on when I was just becoming a parenting educator. I had literally probably just started my parenting education like credits and training. But I just remember having this moment of thinking like, crap, like, should I be spanking this kid? Like, he can't just go around and do this. And inside, I just prayed and I was like, God, help me. Like, what do I do here? And I actually ended up sending him to grandma's house. Thank God for Gigi. Lives right around the corner now. She moved to California when my son was born. But I sent him over there for three days, you guys, so I could take a calming break and pray and figure out how I was going to teach him with compassion and firm, compassionate discipline. And it all worked out great. Um... We did so much compassionate discipline, so much from, like I said, the workshop I'm going to be teaching at the end of this month. And he literally has never laid hands on another kid in his life. 
He is the most gentlest, kindest kid. And it took bravery and courage to use compassionate discipline with him. And I'm a parenting educator. You know what I mean? So just remember, feeling scared is part of the journey. Okay, it's just part of it. And I want you guys to know that when you feel scared, it's, it's when you feel afraid, um, you are safe and you can do it anyways. But stay supported, you know. Um, join me for the workshop at the end of the month. We're gonna have so much fun learning how to build out a firm and kind compassionate discipline toolkit. You can save your seat over at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline class. But courage really is a superpower when it comes to parenting, you guys. And I want you all to tap into the feeling of empowerment of what it feels like to have courage feel scared and do it anyways, because all parents, all human beings are looking for opportunities to feel powerful. Again, I teach so much about this in the foundations course and at the bonfire support community program, but we all are looking to feel powerful. And there's different ways to get that need met. A lot of traditional kind of hand-me-down parenting tactics, the way parents end up feeling powerful is by overpowering is by using fear and force-based hand-me-down parenting tactics to make your child comply, right? It's like the idea of like, I'm bigger than you, I am older than you, I'm smarter than you, I can take away everything you own, I have more money than you, like I am the leader over top of you. It's called power over. Where here at Fresh Start Family, we're gonna teach you how to have power with your children. How to actually share the power in your home, which by the way, is what firm, kind, effective, amazing leaders do. That's the, when you think of the most incredible leaders on the planet, right? I think of Martin Luther King Jr., I think of Nelson Mandela, I think of Jesus, I think of Malala Yufastefa. Um, there's a lot of leaders that I look up to, but they led with firm kindness and they shared the power. So um, when you look at that and you realize that you can feel powerful as a parent by believing in something, having the courage to do it, even though you feel scared, and then getting on the other side and seeing the massive benefits that you would have never gotten to if you would have just gone with culture, if you would have just kept doing things the way they've always been been done. When you successfully break a painful generational cycle, you guys, oh, let me tell you, it feels like a million bucks. Like you will never feel more powerful than when you break a painful generational cycle. And yes, I know we think of when I say that term, I know a lot of you are probably thinking like, okay, painful generational cycle. What do you mean? Like hitting my kids or Yes, there's that, right? Like your maybe your parents hit you and their parents hit them and their parents hit them. Like that's how they got um, kids to comply, right? Like that is an example of a painful generational cycle where there's literally physical pain being handed down and taught. This is how you get another person to listen to you. There's that. But there's also painful generational cycles in the form of just, you know, like passing judgment on others or feeling really disconnected from your parents, or not being able to have peaceful conflict resolution in your home. 
sorry, I have a cold, or not being able to um, handle conflict in a healthy way, or not be able to make amends after a relationship has been strained or an argument has happened in your home. Like these are all examples of also painful generational cycles where this is where you hear people say, oh my gosh, like when did I become my mother? Now, I know we all love our moms, right? But there are some of us who are like, oh my gosh, I'm like, I never wanted to act like my mom and now I'm acting exactly like my mom. Well, that's because it's a generational cycle, right? Like it takes courage to break that and realize like, I never liked how my, you know, how someone did this to me and then here I am realizing that I'm doing it to somebody else um, or the way I'm thinking, right? Like negative self-talk, that's an example of a painful generational cycle. Maybe you talk to yourself really crappy and you're really hard on yourself. And so was your mom, and so was her mom. That's an example of a painful generational cycle. But it's gonna take courage to break that, okay? And you will feel scared when you're stepping into learning and growing, whether it's doing a course, or joining a support community, or saving your seat for a free workshop, or whatever it may be. Just know that I see you, I admire you, I am so freaking inspired by you, and I love, love, love cheering you on. All right, families. Well, that's what I've got for you today. I hope you have enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for hanging out with me. Make sure you go get registered for the free workshop on compassionate discipline, three ways to build out a firm and kind compassionate discipline toolkit, freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline class. I will see you there. And thanks again for listening. For more information, go to freshstartfamilyonline.com. Thanks for listening, families. Have a great day. All right, listeners, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. As we wrap up here, don't forget to DM me the word shift or head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free discipline quick start learning bundle. You'll get immediate access to download our extensive learning guide where I'll share five ways you can ditch the old school hand-me-down punishment mindset beliefs and thoughts that are causing you to react like a volcano instead of respond like the firm, kind, respectful teacher you are at your core. And then you'll also get immediate access to my on-demand workshop where I'll teach you our three core Fresh Start family strategies that make up a strong, compassionate, disciplined toolkit, as well as my favorite logical consequences that not only work with kids of all ages, but do wonders to unite you with your child and strengthen your relationship, even in your kids' worst moments. So pop on over to Instagram right now and just shoot me a DM with the word shift and I'll send you a personal link to download that bundle right away. Or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to get access immediately. All right. Thanks for listening and I'll see you inside that free bundle and also inside the next episode.